and welcome to the Reader's Quadrant, an Empyrean podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Samantha. We are doing a chapter-by-chapter reread and analysis of the Empyrean book series written by Rebecca Yaros. Today we will be discussing chapter 11 of Fourth Wing. We do swear and we are not spoiler-free. So for this week's battle brief, I just wanted to quickly discuss an article that Screen Rant put out about the Fourth Wing adaptation. So the title of the article is, Amazon's Fourth Wing adaptation has one huge problem Game of Thrones never did. And so the article goes in to discuss how um, the TV show will face a major challenge um, with the CGI, which could hurt the overall adaptation because unlike Game of Thrones, the dragons are main characters Mm -hmm. in Fourth Wing. And so it mentions that in season one, Game of Thrones had a $6 million budget per episode. And I have to imagine that this adaptation is not going to get that much money. So it does actually make me nervous now that I'm reading this article because you do not want the CGI to look like shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I almost, I wish that they would almost consider doing it animated instead of live action because i think if they do make the entire thing animated then they can make it to where we won't have such extremely high expectations for how the dragons look as long as they fit within the style of the animation because yeah the article brings up that there's gonna be hundreds of dragons needed for this, like, let, let's think about the flight field after the threshing mm-hmm. when everyone's landing back with their dragons. Like, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's crazy. And, like, I don't want to be pessimistic, but that's kind of who I am as a person. <laughs> well, and, and, like, I'm also thinking of presentation. Like, they're going to be walking yeah. by all of these dragons in a row. So we're going to be seeing them side by side next to each other. And, like, yeah. if they make, so, you know, Andarna and Tarn have higher quality, it's going to be, like, an anime spot the main character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, like, in the old-fashioned, like, hand-drawn Disney movies where you could always tell what inanimate object was going get, to get picked up because it had, like, way more detail yeah. than everything else that was or, like, the coloring was different. It. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know. We'll post the link to the article. I think it brings up some good points. And I know we don't know anything about this adaptation, even like when it's going to start or like nothing's been announced about it. Like you have to imagine that they, they're not going to start filming for at least a couple years. Like, I don't think. And by that time, you know, we will may know even more about our characters in the world. So maybe that'll change things. Maybe. I don't know. I just have such low expectations when it comes to adaptations of things that I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're never going to get it 100% right, and that just irks me. But anyways, yeah, we'll post a link to the article. Let us know your guys' thoughts on it. Yes. Please do. It's a pretty short article, so it won't take you long yeah. to read it. Uh, okay, so moving on. Last time, Violet and the squad tested their hand at the gauntlet. The crazy death obstacle course that is designed to replicate the rider's experience in battle. Violet has trouble finishing the course, and poor Arlie falls to her death, which impacts Violet deeply. Zayden gets caught returning from an after-hours flight with Garrick and Bodhi, but Violet doesn't care. 
Zayden gives Violet some sage advice about the gauntlet that the right way isn't the only way. So love that for him. Yes. We start the chapter with the quote. It is a grave offense against Malik to keep the belongings of a dead loved one. They belong in the beyond with the God of death and the departed. In the absence of a proper temple, any fire will do. He who does not burn for Malik will be burned by Malik. Interesting. And that's from Major Rorley's Guide to Appeasing the Gods, 2nd Edition. So they're making it an offense basically against God to not burn the the belongings of for a dead person. See, okay, I want to talk about this for a second because I know that this is a quote-unquote religious practice mm-hmm. that we have going on here. But do you think that this also has something to do with they don't want information to be spread and a way to contain that is to burn everything a dead person has touched. So I was actually going to bring that up because I was searching, I was originally searching for major Rorley's name meeting, which I couldn't find, but honestly, it Rorley just makes me think of Gilmore girls, like Rory and Lorelai, just like a uh, mashup. (laughs) Maybe she's a Gilmore girls fan. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) So that actually led me, though, to a Reddit thread where this person theorizes that the burning is intended to hide information. Um, The original theory was that the gods were fake, but um, I don't think that's the case. You know, it's a religion. It's, you know, it is. Yeah. But they think that the practice of burning, though was put into place later by the government of Navarre, so about like 400 years ago when shit went down, to mm. help get rid of the information. Because they point out like how you know? everything that the leadership want the public to know is stored in the archives, and there is, as we learn in Iron Flame, so many safeguards against fire. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with that theory. Right? Like, it gets mentioned so many times how you have to burn the the belongings of a loved one. Mm-hmm. I mean, then there's, so, there's several other theories in this thread um, that are kind of interesting. Like, one says that the gods particularly favor Violet because every time she invokes one, um, it works out for her. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting considering this chapter, or was it the previous chapter where she talks about Janelle? Yeah. Yep. And they theorize that maybe Malik sent Liam as a kindness to Violet in Iron Flame. Oh, Liam. I know. But it's just, it's very interesting. Um, we'll, we'll post the link in stories if anyone wants to read um, how these, the rest of these theories, but... It's just kind of something to think about. So, um, moving on. This chapter opens up the day before presentation. Violet still can't get up the chimney. But if it makes you feel better, Tynus still can't make it past the balls. So, ha. (laughs) Sucks to be him. Brianna and Violet are trying to brainstorm ways for Violet to make it up the chimney. But they're coming up empty. 
and or coming up short. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Violet is very tempted to run away to the scribe quadrant, but she knows that her mother is going to find out. And Violet also realizes that if she was to run away and hide, that she wouldn't be able to live with herself. Mm-hmm. We- she's someone who needs to see things through. Yes. And plus, she knows that in her head, she keeps having this voice telling her, you've made it this far. You've made it this far. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want to ignore that voice. Yeah. Do we skip again to the next morning where we're having the death roll? And it still just keeps getting to Violet. And she also notes that a second year passed and that it's not just the first year's at risk. Everybody's at risk to die. So was this a second year that kind of like, wait, no, a second year wouldn't have have had to do the gauntlet. So how did the second year die? Who knows? It could be anything. Maybe it was during that torture training. Oh, true. <laughs> I for, I fucking forgot about that. Yep. They do say some people die during it. Yeah, fair. But yeah, Imogen and Quinn both suck in a breath. So. Yep. Um, Imogen then decides to taunt Violet in kind of the best way, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> she says to her, good luck today. Hopefully you won't fall short. Mm. <laughs> this is pretty great. Um, which Violet's like, see you later. Like, fuck you. I got this shit. Uh, then we also... You know, Imogen and Violet is one relationship that I really enjoy. It is. Um, it's pretty great. Like seeing how that grows. We talk about enemies to lovers, but I mean, enemies to friends is just as good too. Yes. Yes, it is. We also meet here a non-binary character, a Heaton. Um, I think this is the first non-binary character we meet in the book. I don't think, though, I think we do meet some other non-binary characters, because I think this is the only time we actually see Heaton. But since we will, if I'm remembering right, we do get a couple more um, throughout the book. Mm. Books, plural. So, um, after that, Dane tells everybody to get information. And Violet asks him if that if he's going to go with us. And he nods, but otherwise ignores her. To which Rhiannon's like, he seems kind of pissed at you. <laughs> <laughs> and Violet's like, well, he wants something I can't give him. Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that though kind of I mean Rhiannon then points out like I mean if it was that'd be cool because he's Rhiannon apparently thinks he's hot and according to her he has that whole boy next door who can still kick your ass vibe you know I probably don't disagree that <laughs> Dane is hot like I, I, I I'm not gonna disagree with that yeah I mean he does sound kind of hot it's his personality that's a dick yeah just I can't um but which Violet agrees and then Dane also in the midst of conversation tells us that we have 171 people left total or at least in their squad it's a little confusing the way they phrase this not gonna lie and like we discussed in the last episode that's down from 301 that made it across the parapet yes 
All right. So, um, which then it's again noted that there's only a hundred dragons. Trina is nervous where then Luca yells at her to stop. And Riddick again, he's standing up for the little guy. Like he did this before <laughs> and he's doing it again. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's awesome though. I mean, he does yeah. it in a funny way too though. Cause he's like, she says inducing more fear. <laughs> <laughs> pretty great um so you know violet asks rian if she's nervous and she says she's not and violet says oh i meant about the history test you know just joking um, it's kind of a dick move for them to plan a history test the day after the gauntlet like who's studying for this right but one thing <laughs> like violet teases her about not about this treaty and Honestly, the part about this treaty is kind of interesting because there is an agreement between Navarre and Krovla for mutually shared airspace for both dragons and griffins over a narrow strip of the Esden Mountains between Somerton and Drathus. Yeah, like why? Why why are they agreeing to share the airspace? What's there? I'll say, yeah, and specifically in that area, I think that that's going to come into play at some point. Obviously, because probably she's Rebecca Yaris has been pretty great about leaving these little breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about before, you know, with um, Jack's eye color. Yeah. So Zeta then calls them out to get moving to get to the gauntlet. And then Dane kind of pulls. He falls. Dane falls back. So he is next to Violet. And then he, again, tries to tell her to change her mind. And she's very firm about how she's not going to change her mind. And then he kind of says something shitty. Because Violet says she can't leave any more than Dane could leave Kath. And Dane says, that's different. I'm a writer. Yeah, that's a dick dick move. I know. And Violet's like, well, maybe I am too. Which is good. And what... What does he expect her to do right now? Like, turn around and run away? Like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And then again, he makes it about himself. Because he says, I don't want to bury you. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go back for a little, for a second. Yeah. Um, so when they're walking through the tunnel and Violet sees the shadows, she says, "What she thinks, what are the limits of Zayden's power anyways? Could he use shadows to choke out every squad in here? Would he need to rest or recharge after? Does such a vast power come with any sort of checks or balances? He is so in her mind and on her mind, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, all she has to do is see shadows, and then she's like, ooh, Zayden. Yeah. Honestly, that is an interesting question. It really is. Because I don't think we ever get an answer to that. Not yet, at least. No. He has a shit ton of power. We do know that much. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, burnout is a thing, but we've never seen him come close to it, except maybe at the end of Iron Flame. Yeah. And then going back to Dane saying, I don't want to bury you, Vi. When Violet responds with, it's inevitable, uh, inevitable that one of us will have to bury the other. Do you think that that's foreshadowing? Ooh. Interesting. Maybe. I hope that she buries him. 
Is that too harsh? Yeah. Maybe that'll be part of his redemption arc. And then he dies? Yeah. Maybe he dies doing something very Defending nice Defending Zayden. Good. Oh, that would be Defending perfect. Zayden. Yes. I like that. And he just kind of basically acts like a little kid and is like, don't do this. And he's just very crying and weepy. And he's not even lowering his voice. Like, this is embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, he started out with his voice low, but I guess the more she refused, the more desperate he became. I don't know. But Violet looks at it and... um. Normally, only riders are allowed on the flight field except for presentation. Dane says he doesn't know if he can watch. Violet looks back at him and his, quote, perfectly trimmed beard, brackets, full lips, barf. I do like her response, though. It's great. Go for it. Then close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great response. And then he says, and this is a really good exchange here, too. Dane asks her, what changed between Parapet and now? And Violet looks at him and she says, me. Yeah, I fucking love that. It's amazing. An hour later, Violet is having her turn on the parapet. She has completed the third ascent and she hasn't touched a single rope. So I think she's she's fairly proud of that. She should be, honestly. <laughs> Dane is watching from the bottom of the course and... It's noted that Jack is also there. So the first years haven't been able to watch the other squads practice. But now that it's actually time for them to complete the gauntlet, everyone can watch either from the bottom or the top, depending on if you've finished the climb or not. So he's Jack is there watching and taunting her as usual. Such a dick. <laughs> so he, he's like, you can do us all a favor and fault. Like, it's not even clever. Yeah. Like, so Violet's at the chimney, and she looks up at the column that she's supposed to climb, and then she runs back a few feet on the ledge. Um, she And then Violet grabs one of the ropes and drags it back with her. And so pulling the rope as tight as she can, she gets into the bottom section of the chimney. So she's kind of using it as leverage, because she's not tall enough, like her wingspan isn't enough that she can kind of like shimmy her way up. Right? That's how I'm kind of picturing this. Mm -hmm. So she's using the rope and then her feet are on the opposite wall to climb and pull herself up at the same time. And this is interesting with what we were talking about earlier, Sam. She says, pulling the rope as tight as it can go, I plant one foot on the side of the shaft and give the rope a tug. Then send up a prayer to Janelle that this is going to work. And it does. And then someone at the top says, can she do that? And we know that later on that's Amber who's being a dick about this. I liked Violet's <laughs> mental response. I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. So she continues doing this all the way up to, up to the top of the chimney and she makes it to the top. Um, and she has never made it this far before. So she's never gotten to practice this section at all. Mm -hmm. um, so she gets to the ramp and she notices that she's, she's still too short for it. And her, her lungs are aching because, like, oh, my God, the physical exertion of this must be, like, insanity. 
so she says the final path to the flight field is standing in front of her and standing in front of me is a ramp made of wood that juts out 10 feet from the cliff wall and then curves upward like the inside of a bowl the highest point level with the cliff top 10 feet above like fuck i'm not as short as her and i wouldn't be able to do that Mm-mm. nope the obstacle is meant to test a cadet's ability to scale a dragon's foreleg and reach a saddle and i'm too short and then violet thinks about zayden's advice that the right way isn't the only way so she she runs like she runs she charges at that wall and she runs up the ramp and then she waits for the exact moment where she's like two feet from the top she swings her arm out and fucking just plants that dagger right in the wood (laughs) and she uses it to fling herself upward to the top and grab the edge and everyone's like, woo, because she pulls herself up and then she uh, reaches down to grab the dagger. So her squad mates are happy, cheering for her. Rhiannon grabs Violet and then so does Riddick. And she says she's like in a hug sandwich, pretty much, which I just think is so cute. I love how Rhiannon has like tears in her eyes. She's so happy. Yeah. So then we get someone saying she can't do that. But uh, Riddick doesn't give two fucks because he's like, yeah, well, she just did. (laughs) 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 And then the same person says, cheating. And we learn that it's Amber Mavis. And she's described as the strawberry blonde wing leader from Third Wing who was Dane's close friend last year. And that's in italics because we know what close friend means (laughs) in this context. (laughs) And she charges towards Zayden. W- bold move. Like, that's crazy. When I, f- I remember when I first read this, I thought that she was charging towards Violet. But no, she's going straight to Zayden, her wing leader. So Gar- Garrick is like, back the hell up. So I love that description of Zayden right there, by the way. He's a couple of feet away with the roll, recording times with a stopwatch and looking rather bored with it all. And I'm just... Just picturing that is really funny to me. <laughs> he, he must be so proud of her, though. Oh, yeah. For, for doing that. Um, but I love this. She says, the cheater, Amber, I mean, when I say that. Yes. She says, the cheater clearly used foreign materials not once, but twice. It's not to be tolerated. We live by the rules or we die by them. And then Violet thinks, no wonder she and Dane are so close. They're both in love with the codex. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because like I also think that Violet loves reading but she doesn't she's not like a letter of the law type girl she's like spirit of the law she really is like she loves this stuff but she also she knows how to be flexible because her body is literally flexible yeah um so Garrick says I don't take kindly to calling anyone in my section a cheater and my wing leader will handle any rule breaking in his own wing. So Garrick moves to the side and then he looks at Zayden. And then Zayden just looks at Violet and says Sorengill. Also, so he's wait. Sorry. Amber, yeah, go ahead. Amber is noted as having blue eyes. Why? So both she and Jack, both of whom have an extreme dislike for Violet, and frankly, both end up dying because of Violet. Yeah. And they both have blue eyes. I just think that's an interesting, interesting correlation. 
Do we know anyone else who has blue eyes? Not off the top of my head. Hmm. We'll have to keep an eye out for that, though. So Zayden is giving Violet the room to explain here. And Violet's like, yeah, I expect a 30-second penalty for using the rope. And that is... That's a rule that has been established. Like, you can use the ropes. Like, we know we know that. And then Amber says, and the knife? She's disqualified. <laughs> Surely she's out. You can't tolerate lawlessness within your own wing, Ryerson. Like, oh my god. Lawlessness? I feel... That's a little... <laughs> Extreme. <laughs> and then badass Violet quotes the codex to Amber. She says, a rider may only bring to the quadrant the items they can carry, and they shall not be separated from those items no matter what they may be. For once carried across the parapet, they are considered part of their person. Article 3, Section 6, Addendum B. Yep. Go, Violet. Yep. And I love Amber. Are you quoting the codex to me? <laughs> <laughs> and they know yeah, her blue then, eyes again. Yeah. And then Violet says... Um, it gives any item carried across the parapet the status of being part of the rider. This isn't a challenge blade. It's the one I carried across and therefore considered part of myself. And then she says, she looks at Zayden and she says, the right, the right way isn't the only way. And Zayden's like, yeah, she, she has you. <laughs> On a and technicality. Amber, <laughs> yeah. And then Amber like throws at Violet. She's like, you think like a scribe, like that's supposed to be an insult but Violet's like yeah I know she's like and <laughs> yeah <laughs> your point <laughs> and then just before we end the chapter this was like a super short like super quick chapter here even though a lot happened um Zayden looks at Violet and he says Thorngale you're leaking because her hands are like shredded because of using the rope and the dagger to pull herself up and stuff. And then he's like, do something about it. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the same thing that Tarn says to her, like, right after they bond? Do something about it? Probably. Like, it like, sounds like, like that she's leaking? It might be. It might be. Um, so, Rhiannon helps Violet cut off the sleeves of her shirt to bandage her hands, which is so fucking badass. Right? Um, and then we get, we learn that all the rest of their squad, squad mates make it up. Yay! The gauntlet, so. All except Orly, who died last time. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess Tynan got over his fear of balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so we have a question for our assembly meeting, if I can just open it up here. What do you think of Amber in the scene at the end of the chapter? This is from Kendra. Is she just a very strict rule follower or does she already have something against Violet? Ooh. Interesting. Um, I think she just likes the rules. I don't think, I honestly don't think jealousy, I think jealousy is maybe a secondary motivator, but like Dane, she's just so focused on following the rules and making sure that everyone else follows the rules that she can't believe that someone would disregard it. Yeah, I feel like if Dane if Dane had been able to say something, if he had been a weak leader at that point, and if it was anybody but Violet, he would be acting the exact same way. Yes. Yes, a hundred percent. 
But I do think she is also slightly jealous about Violet because Dane has clearly been hitting on her and like whatnot the entire year or this entire time. And we don't actually know when Dane and Amber broke up. I think um, Amber's jealousy comes out more so where she um, attacks Violet and then gets accused in front of everybody than it does in this moment Mm. like i feel like it shows up more there i think here is strictly like like you broke the rules how could you how dare you Mm -hmm. but interesting interesting thought yeah so what have you been doing um i mean i've been watching some more pwhl games yes that's always fun i'm reading some bridgerton some of the bridgerton novels i think i've talked about this earlier i got all eight of them over christmas so i'm kind of working my way through they're not literary masterpieces but i'm enjoying myself so i heard they're they're decent reads yeah they're fine like they're okay like like, i think i said this before it's like junk food and book form it's just (laughs) they're easy it's fun like they make you feel happy inside. It's just, it's nice. And then the weather here, we've taken about a 60 degree swing in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same here. <laughs> so we were sitting, we were, we were, we've been hovering around like plus 10 Celsius for the last week or so, which means we now have no snow. Mm-hmm. It's all muddy, but I can also take my dog out on long walks again. So, you know, it's nice. Yeah. Well, how about you? Um. Yeah, it's been nice here as well, so been trying to enjoy that when i can they've been taking my son outside at daycare actually um oh. so it's been that nice um yeah also pwhl games and just um i don't know i haven't really been watching a whole lot like i said i had last week i had two seasons of the office super fan episodes to catch up on and i don't have enough time to binge like i used to so yeah um it's just taking it a bit but they're they're entertaining for the most part i mean these two seasons are not my favorite at all honestly like for me the show kind of goes downhill after like season four like season five is very borderline for me Mm. so um just doing that um i picked up crown of midnight from the library so i can get that started and finish reading Throne of Glass. Um, so hopefully I can get through it fairly quickly. I think I should be able to. I mean, I literally read all of Akatar in like two months. So. Yeah, I, I mean, the last three books in Throne of Glass are just so big. I, I've seen. Oh I've seen that. So but the first one's the, like Kingdom the first half Ash. is pretty short, I think. Kingdom of Ash is so huge. <laughs> um yeah and then one other thing i'm excited about on february 9th um our team canada versus team usa our women's hockey teams are playing in my city so i'm gonna i'll be watching that so i'm really excited about that that's exciting are you able to go yeah yeah i'm going oh you're going should be a fun cool yeah should be a fun night out um yeah i just bought the tickets like a week ago because i didn't even know it was happening but i was like uh yeah i'll go watch that that sounds awesome if you see any merch let me know i may have you pick up something <laughs> <laughs> there might be merch i don't know if it'll be team usa merch 
I don't care at this point. Like anything PWHL related, you know? Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, other than that, we finally have some cats in the cat cafe. They're yay. really cute. We have four of them right now. Uh, they are Peachy, Hazel, Enoki, and Buttons. Peachy and Hazel are both girls, and the other two are boys. They're brothers. Um, Buttons is a very chonky boy. <laughs> <laughs> and Enoki, he's a little shy, but he really likes me. So he comes and like, he's gotten on my lap and stuff. Peachy just hides, and then Hazel is very sweet. So That's nice. We'll see how long they last before they're adopted, although... Like I was telling Kelsey earlier, I kind of don't want them to be adopted. I just want to be a mother of cats. I mean, what's wrong with that? Oh, and I don't even, have we even mentioned that we hit 3,000 listens? I don't think we did. Yes, yeah, so we hit 3,000 listens. Yay! So exciting. And I think we mentioned this back when we hit 2,000. But once we hit 5,000 listens, we are doing some kind of giveaway, some kind of fourth wing merch giveaway. Yes. Which will be exciting. So share us with your friends if you think that they would enjoy listening to us. And in that same vein, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you're listening to us. You can find our Instagram at Readers Quadrant Podcast, and you can email us at readersquadpod at gmail.com. And be sure to join our Discord. It's a lot of fun. A link will be posted on our Instagram. Yes, our Discord has been pretty active, and you can ask questions that will end up on the podcast. And who doesn't like that? Everybody loves a shout out. Yeah, this is true. So thank you all again so much for listening, and keep listening so we can get to that 5,000. And remember, the right way isn't the only way. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his song, The Pyre, for our intro and outro music. 